today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. A dead sacrifice would be so much easier because it's dead. You just, there it is. A living sacrifice. Have fun getting that living sacrifice on the altar. (laughs) Well, be careful because you're the living sacrifice that's going on the altar, which means that there's a surrendering of your will in order to do so. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to Him. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Hebrews. The life of a believer is one that requires sacrifice on a daily basis. That can look different from person to person, but it's unavoidable when following Jesus. As Pastor J.D. will challenge us in today's message, this kind of sacrificial life isn't easy, but it's the only way to find real fulfillment in this life. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Hebrews chapter 12, with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. We would all do well, and I'm including myself in this, because this is a daily battle still, even after walking with the Lord all the years that I have, where I have to understand so that I don't misunderstand. Oh yeah, I'm getting another spiritual spanking, and it's a good thing. It's a good thing. It, I'm his child. He's my father after all. It's a good thing. When I should worry is when he stops disciplining me. Then you should worry. Then you should worry. Not that he won't, but I think you get the point. Well, I want to spend the remainder of our time on this last one of verses 10 through 13. How many times have we heard this, right? It's for your own good. That's how my mom used to always say it. It's it's for your own good. Really? This is not good. And the writer of Hebrews is at least being honest, right? By the Holy Spirit. Hey, when we're getting that spiritual spanking, nobody is like, yay, more spankings. No, we're like, no, I hate this. I hate this part. (laughs) It's unpleasant. That's a pleasant word to use to describe unpleasant. I have other words. I won't use them. But at least again, the writer is being honest. He says it's even painful. And that's true. But endure it. Why? Because of the good that is coming from it. Stay with me. Again, I know this is a another firm grasp of the obvious. Discipline is for our own good. But the good that it produces in our lives, this discipline that we don't like, that's unpleasant, that's even painful, It's good that we all desperately want and need. Both want and need. So bear with me because I went through this and I put together a list. And I want to share that list with you of all the good that comes from discipline. Now, you might find more to add to your list, but... Here's my list. This is the list of the good that discipline produces. 
If you endure it, endure the discipline, yeah, I know it's painful. Yeah, I know it's unpleasant. (laughs) But endure it because of the good that comes from it. Oh, what's the good? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. You ready for this? Every single one of these you want and you need. Holiness, wholeness, fullness, not halfness, pure and holy. Well, I want to be holy. Well, that's the good that comes from discipline. Is That's where you get holy. Isn't there a, a holy pill I can take? Nope. I keep watching those ads. There's a lot of them, you know. There's no holy pill. Discipline produces the holiness. Well, I want to be holy because He's holy. Well, that's the good that comes from discipline. Righteousness. Not our own righteousness. Christ's imputed righteousness. I want to be right. I want to walk in righteousness. I want to walk in purity. I want to walk in holiness. Here's the next one on my list. This is a biggie. They're all biggies, but this one's a biggie biggie. (laughs) Peace. I could use me some of that right there. Peace. (laughs) How many times have we said, oh, I, I just want peace. Okay, well, here comes the discipline because discipline produces the peace. Paul describes it as the peace that surpasses human understanding, transcends human understanding, that keeps your mind and your heart in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's a supernatural peace. Jesus said, the peace that I give you, it's not like the world gives. The peace that I give you, it's a supernatural peace that only I can give. Well, well then, Can I have it? Okay, here comes the discipline, because discipline produces it. It's a good thing. Here's the next one on my list. Strength. How many times when we pray, God, I need strength. You need strength? Okay, right here. Discipline produces strength. We talk about this all the time. Lord, I need endurance and perseverance. And the Lord's like, the only way I'm going to give you endurance and perseverance is to have you go through a trial, because that's where you get the endurance and the perseverance. Wait, let me see if I got this straight. So if I need endurance, the only way I'm going to get endurance is by endurance. Yeah, because the trial produces in you that perseverance. That's why James says, consider, you got to, again, love James, consider it pure joy. My brothers and sisters, when you encounter or face trials of various kinds, and he doesn't just leave it there, thankfully. Could you imagine? He says, knowing where God's going with that trial that he's allowed into your life. God's doing a work. Yeah, but this is hard. Yeah, but you know what God is producing in you? He's producing in you the very thing you asked him for. Patience. I need patience. Okay, here comes the trial. Because the trial is going to produce the patience. The trial is going to produce the endurance. Lord, I need strength to get through this. Okay, get through this, you'll get the strength. That's how it works. Why are you looking at me like that? (laughs) This This is what we're being told. This is what God's Word says. You want to endure the discipline? I need endurance. Okay, well then you need to be disciplined because you're going to get the endurance vis-a-vis the discipline. I wish there was another way. There's not. Because James says it like this, so that you'll be mature, 
lacking nothing. You'll have everything you need in and through that trial you're in. So you will lack nothing, and it will, though it's not on my list, maybe it'll be on yours. That's another thing, by the way, that discipline produces, maturity. You know, I'll I'll just say it. I'll just use myself so that nobody gets offended. But there was a time in my walk with the Lord where it was like the Lord just saying to me, you need to grow up. You need to mature. You need to grow up. You know? (laughs) I mean, you don't spank a 25-year-old. I hope not anyway, right? Why? Because they're mature. Well, the same thing is true in the spiritual sense. That's how you mature, is by way of the discipline. Oh, the discipline is going to change as the child grows older. It's more age-appropriate. But still, the discipline produces that in our lives. Well, let's move on. i got a few more on my list, if you don't mind. How about direction? Make level paths your feet. Sometimes, and this actually ties into the next one on my list, correction, which could be synonymous with redirection. So here I am, I'm, I, I've set my foot to go down this path, and the Lord's like, oh no you don't. So He's got to step in, and He's got to correct me. That's called correction. By the way, you know the word discipline is from the root word discipled? Disciple, discipline. I mean, that, that should right there tell you how far we've come in terms of our understanding when it comes to this dreaded word discipline. No! No, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. So God has to step in now and correct us in order to redirect us because He loves us so much and He knows that if we keep going down that path, it's going to be the path that leads to destruction. And God loves us so much, He doesn't want us to suffer needlessly going in that direction. It's been said that God will direct your steps, but so too will God direct your stops. Sometimes God's got to just stop you dead in your tracks. And He'll allow something to get your attention. Because heretofore He's not had your attention. I'll be careful not to point. I'll I'll use myself as the poster child for this. i got the scars to prove it for sure. How many times has God just allowed something to happen to get my attention? It's kind of like, oh God! Oh, now i got your attention, do I? Yes, Lord, speak. Your servant is listening. Well, yesterday you didn't have the time of day for me. You wouldn't give me the time of day. So I had to allow this to happen. I had to kind of step in and just give you a good little spiritual spanking right there. Now I got your attention. Yes, Lord, don't go that direction. I'm redirecting you. I'm correcting you because that's the wrong path. I need to get you on the right path. We need a correction here. There is a way that seems right to a man, the proverb says, but it's the way that leads to death. You've heard that expression. I'll just spend just a a minute on this because it's important. You've heard that expression. How can something that feels so good be so wrong? 
easy. (laughs) I mean, you know, in fact, in advertising, they utilize this, and it's very effective. Because the the advertising campaign goes something like this, how can 50,000 people be wrong? Easy, because wide is the gate that leads to destruction, and many thereof go, but narrow is the path, the gate that leads to life, and only a few go. So to your question of how can something that feels so right be so wrong? Because again, there is a way that feels right to you, but it's the wrong path. And absent the Lord correcting you and redirecting you, it will be to your peril if you continue therein. Okay, last but not least, on my list, and and this is why verse 13 is here, healing. What? You're going to have to explain this one, Pastor. I will. Well, the writer of Hebrews will by the Holy Spirit. So watch this. When God disciplines us, there's a closure that is brought subsequent to the breaking and the discipline. And yeah, it's painful because God is breaking our will when He disciplines us. You've probably heard, doubtless you've heard, that when you break a bone, it heals stronger at the point of the break. That's physiologically, more so spiritually. See, God has to break our strong will. He has to break that obstinance, that stubbornness. I know you know nothing of what I speak of. It's called brokenness, and it comes by way of discipline and chastisement and correction and rebuke. He breaks us. Don't misunderstand it. Don't resent it. I mean, isn't it true that when it comes to broken things, we devalue broken things. We throw them away. We replace them. Not in God's economy. Brokenness always precedes the blessing. I think about Jacob who wrestled with the Lord. That alone is just unbelievable to me. Talk about strong will. I mean, the name is the nature, Yahob. That's what it means. Heel snatcher, strong will. This, this, you talk about a strong, and you know who you are. Again, I won't point, but I mean, I mean, you talking about a strong will. That was Jacob. So what's, what's Jacob want? He's asking God, bless me. In fact, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. And the Lord's like, Whew, you know not what you ask, because I can't bless you till I break you. And there's this wrestling of wills. And we're told that it went all night long. I'm tired just thinking about it. Instead of sleeping, he's wrestling with the Lord himself. Guess who wins? I don't need to tell you, spoiler alert, right? It's not just who wins, it's how the Lord wins. There comes a point where the Lord says, okay, and he breaks him by touching his hip and breaks him. And now I can bless you. The breaking always precedes the blessing. I think about Gideon. I was just talking to my oldest son about this on Thanksgiving. The account of the Gideon army of 300 and how there is no way even if they wanted to they could ever take the credit for it. So 
I was explaining to him how they won the victory. He's like, oh, they didn't even have to fight. He said, yeah. But he wanted to know why the army of the Midianites would flee and turn on each other and be defeated when they broke the clay vessels. And I explained to him that in that day in warfare, if you saw a light in a clay vessel being held up, that represented like a thousand men. You got 300 of them. You do the math. That's 300,000. They're like, uh-oh. And then they broke the clay vessels, and then the victory came after the breaking. Maybe there's an area in your life, and you want the victory in that area. The breaking precedes the victory. How about the miracle? Let's go to the Gospels. Jesus feeds the multitudes. Now we're told in one account there was 4,000 men. That does not include the women and children. Some Bible commentators suggest you probably had 20,000 people there. And this really happened. When I'm reading my Bible, I always try to put myself there. What, what would I have done if I was there? And, you know, Jesus is like, well, hey, the people are really hungry, I hear, so go ahead and feed them. <laughs> Disciples are going, with what? Well, what, what do you have? Well, let's go find out. So they come back with the, that mom packed that lunch for that boy, having no idea that God was going to take those fish and that bread and multiply it thousands of times over miraculously, so much so that there was even leftovers. And isn't it interesting? You see, if I'm there, I'm like, Lord, what? We don't need to pick up the leftovers, because, hey, we, you can just do this again tomorrow. So no, pick up the leftovers. There was a lesson in that. Well, I don't want to get too far off of the point I'm trying to get to, so I'll just get to the point. He takes that bread from that boy's lunch that his mom packed for him that morning. And what does he do? He breaks it, and then he blesses it, and then it's multiplied, and it becomes the miracle that we read about and know about well nigh 2,000 years later. The blessing always comes after the breaking. Let me flip that around, lastly, this way, to just kind of put it into perspective. Maybe there's a blessing, even a miracle, and let's even add a victory that awaits you in your life. But heretofore, there has not been the breaking in your life. And that's why you don't have the victory. That's why you don't have the blessing. That's why you don't have the miracle. What am I saying? I'm saying, let God break you. Isn't that perky? Just let Him, in His discipline, in His correction, break your will. The sooner the better. Stop being a Jacob. You're making it worse for yourself, and it's taking so much longer than it needs to. How many times I've been in a trial, and I'm kicking, fighting, biting, scratching, yelling, questioning, God, why? Had I but yield to his breaking, I could have found myself on the tail end of that trial so much sooner. 
I unnecessary. And this makes you even angrier, doesn't it? When you realize that you mean I could have gotten through that trial so much sooner had I not fought it so much harder? It's called, wait for it, <laughs> surrender. You present yourself a living sacrifice. Romans 12. You know how hard it is? A, a living sacrifice. A dead sacrifice would be so much easier because it's dead. You just, there it is. A living sacrifice. Have fun getting that living sacrifice on the altar. <laughs> well, be careful because you're the living sacrifice that's going on the altar, which means that there's a surrendering of your will in order to do so. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to Him. You know that hymn of old, and I'll, I'll end with this, it's my, well, I don't want to say my favorite hymn because they're all my favorite, but this one in particular, in fact, speaking of my mom, this brings many fond memories. It was hymn number 272 in our hymnal, and my mom paid me money out of the cash register from her cafe in quarters, because I could use them to play pinball. I know that dates me. But she paid me to learn to play that hymn on the piano. And the hymn, you know it, is Have Thine Own Way. Have Thine Own Way, Lord. Have Thine Own Way. Thou art the potter, I am the clay. Mold me and make me yielded and still after your will. Do you know that's what God's will is for you, is to conform you into the image of Jesus Christ? So what does a potter do with the clay? Oh man, there's a whole lot of breaking going on. You've got to break and hit and smash and spin and heat and stick his hand in there and shape it and make it. and It's hard. But I'm the, I'm the clay. He's the potter. Could you imagine? In fact, we see this in the prophets in the Old Testament. Could you imagine the, the clay questioning the potter? Why are you doing this to me? That's absurd. But we do that. Can we just make the, the work of the potter that much harder? Because we're his workmanship. We're his work of art. In the original language, in the Greek New Testament, is the word poema, where we get our English word for poem. We are His workmanship. We are His work of art. We're a work in progress, right? Well, what does the artist do when they finish the work? And faithful is He who began the work to complete it, perfect it. And when He's done, He's going to put His name on it. Oh, can't wait. I just want a new name. <laughs> can't wait. Here's where we're going to get a new name in heaven. Book of Revelation says that alone, that alone for me but he puts his name of ownership. He's the artist. He's the potter. And here I am, the clay, questioning, you know, Mr. Potter, man, I don't like that shape particularly. And I really don't like the color you're choosing. I, it's, not, it's not my color. I'm an, I'm an autumn. And this is not my color. And you're questioning the potter. Really? No. Let him make you. Let him shape you. Let him break you. Just surrender yourself. Okay, Lord, here am I. <laughs> Do with me as you please. I surrender myself completely to you, whatever your will is for me. I'm not going to fight you anymore. You know, some of us are so strong in our personalities. And, and 
it just takes longer. It's harder work. We're so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Throughout much of this book, Jesus is mentioned as the great high priest. Aren't you glad that you can go directly to him with your troubles? There's no need for an intermediary person to bridge the gap. Jesus became that bridge when he died on the cross. If you'd like to know or understand more about this concept, we encourage you to go to calvarychapelkaneohe.com and look for the resources tab. Under that, there's a link to the ABCs of salvation. This provides an in-depth overview of what it means to believe that Jesus died for your sins and saves you from a life and eternity without him. Hebrews simply touches on the fact that Jesus fulfilled all the things that were promised in the Old Testament. It's like when you're reading a spy novel and you're given clues earlier on, but then it all makes sense in the end. Would you like to connect with others in their faith walk? If you're not currently part of a church, join us at Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. We meet on Sundays at 8.30, 10.45 a.m. and Thursdays at 7 p.m. You can find directions at our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. While you're there, you might be interested in some additional teachings by Pastor J.D., including his Mideast Prophecy Updates. This is an accurate look at what the Bible has to say about this current time in the world's history. That's all we have for today, but thanks for tuning in. We hope you'll join Pastor J.D. for the next edition as we learn more valuable things from the book of Hebrews right here on In Spirit and Truth. To 